Welcome to our brand new show It's not that complicated so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of an actor's movies Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank, blank spank Blank spank Now, Jamie, I know we talk quite often actually about how we try and not date uh, this podcast. And yes. so I thought to myself, obviously, uh, for, for Anne's listening, uh, we're recording this before uh, the Euros 2021 final in which England is playing against Italy. And yeah. I thought to myself, this is coming out on Tuesday, so by then we'll know the results. How do yeah. we make sure we don't, uh, we just don't like age this poorly? So what yeah. I decided is that we're going to do two intros, right? Okay. One in which I'm like celebrating with you and one in which I'm commiserating with you. And we'll just okay. edit the correct one in, okay? Okay, cool. I'm not editing this week, so that's absolutely fine with me. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. Okay, so uh, from the top then. It's coming home. Fuck off, Al. It's Fuck off. Die. Go home. die in a fucking it's hole, coming. you dirty fucking Scot. I don't give a shit how much English blood is running through your veins. Go lie yourself in a trench, face down in an inch of water. It's uh, it's a real shame that all those politicians turned out to be right and uh, yeah, yeah. Gareth Southend just didn't know how to you know run a team. It's it's, it's yeah. Uh, it, it it was wild of him to to go for the choice of uh, waistcoat and only waistcoat for the final. Uh, yeah. I do feel like that did distract his own players more than it, more than the opposition. Uh, like I assume he hoped. Uh, I I I'm actually uh, have made a, a vow to not buy pasta uh, again ever in my life. <laughs> Uh, me too. I'm never gonna have Domino's uh, ever again. You know, just, just I'm, just, I'm swearing off Italy. I'm sorry, Italy. I know it's your biggest export, Domino's pizza. But you know what? I'm a no, pizza see, hut man from now on. I, I've chosen. I will have Domino's, but I will only have their chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> I won't touch any of their bread-based, uh, bread-based menu. Hello and welcome to. Blank- I shouldn't do that with my voice. Fuck. Uh, Blanks Bank. Season two, The Hathaway Stashaway. I'm Jamie Loxton, and with me, as always, is my co-host Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello, Al. Uh, so, irrelevant of um, uh, the what, what might have remained up top. Um, you, you might tell that my voice is fucking gone, Alexander. It, yeah. My voice is gone. I watched the semi-final in a pub. I was very, I, which I very ambitiously booked um, <laughs> when we left the group stages. <laughs> I was just like, I know hypothetically, if we get past Germany, when our semi-final is going to be, I'm going to book my uh, my semi-final pub now. Uh, and and I mean, emotionally, I was very happy I did that. Physically, I'm fucking dead, Alexander. <laughs> I'm just dying. I, I, I obviously had had many pints. Um, mm. I also screamed a lot. Uh, I, I believe there is there is video evidence of me, uh, one inch from my Scottish girlfriend's ear, screaming "God save the Queen." <laughs> And and that was before the game, and I believe I was three pints deep by that point. Christ. Um, I I I I think the 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 best example I can give to just how gone I was was halfway through uh, extra time. I did a classic my dad Peter Jones move, and I turned around to the bar manager and went, "Have one for yourself, mate." And you know what? That's that's proof. I this is a <laughs> London pub. This is a London pub. If I'm willingly just pissing away the six pounds that it would cost for a pint, uh, I was clearly in a can very I, very merry mood. Can I check? 
Was that you were generously tipping six pounds? Or was that you literally went, I bought two pints. No, this one's for you. No, no, no. I was turning to him and I was telling him that he should have... I felt bad for him because he was... Bless him. He clearly wanted to watch the football, but he was very busy. So every now and then there was a free free armchair by us and he would give himself about 25 seconds. He would sit down and give himself 25 seconds. And I felt bad for him. It's our local pub. He seems a lovely bloke. And I bought him a pint. I never saw him drink it, and he did charge himself the most expensive pint on the fucking menu. Of course he did. <laughs> uh, so maybe I won't be going back there. Um, but, dear Alexander, considering this is probably going to all be incredibly depressing when yeah. England lose, and uh, this is coming out know, post that. Do you not want to know how I'm watching in Vancouver? Um, so apparently, Jamie, this is how it happens in Vancouver, if you want yeah. to know about how you book it. Back when people get into the first stage, like the, the group yeah. rounds, whatever it's called, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. People book then. After yep. that, you were no longer able to actually book a table at a pub anywhere in the entirety of Vancouver because everyone booked the first time and then they just book at the fir- at that match for the one following. And as such, I can't physically go to any pub in Vancouver to watch this game. It's a very sad time. I should be listening to Five Live while drinking on my patio um, um, because Alex- that's the only way to Alexander, it. all I can say is yar har har. Are you not aware <laughs> of the pirate ways? <laughs> Jamie, uh, you know me, the, the guy who refused to watch um, uh, News of Tomorrow because they would charge me £25 and I refused to pirate it. But, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I just feel that UEFA doesn't get enough money. All right, you know, I so and that's such. I would like to support uh, the BBC uh, in every way I can, and you know, it's it's things like this, Jamie, that are killing the uh, the, the the industry of small football. All right, before you know it, Jamie, Americans will come in and they'll be putting adverts in everywhere, all because you didn't support it in the legal ways you could. Sad times. Well, Jamie, sad I times. I will be supporting it legally, uh, as I will be watching it in a pub, which is bonkers, because uh, me and my brother, uh, as I said, I'm, I'm up with my brother in Derby. Uh, and he hadn't managed to find uh, a place to watch it. Uh, and also all of his mates are self-isolating due to COVID. Um, so it was originally going to be just me and him uh, in his flat, admittedly on a very large 60-inch TV because uh, my brother's an engineer and he made good choices in life. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but we instead went down to his local where he knows the bar staff last night uh, and, and just did a little bit of sweet talking, you know, had four pints and and did a little bit of sweet talking. We showed that we were we were worthwhile <laughs> customers that were willing to invest. Uh, you showed that you'd be willing to buy at least four pints again, and uh, you know exactly. not destroy the place. And so we good. managed to to sneak our way onto a table to watch it in a pub tomorrow. However, that means my experience, and this is my lovely, incredible mm. segue into talking about this week's film because we fucking need to because it's long as shit. Um, my experience of watching this film was. <laughs> I had four pints at a pub, came home and watched a three-hour space movie. Jimmy. And so my experience, unfortunately, I had seen this movie before, but I would say that my experience of this movie was yeah. perhaps not exactly what uh, Christopher Nolan was expecting. Can I can I offer my segue? So I had a segue all lined up. Can I offer can I counter, can of I course, say, of counter course, segue? Can I say, and and you're, you're editing this, so feel no, free to so cut we, out like, my shit. Jamie, in the same way that I'll definitely remove at least one of those intros, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I think at most I'm moving one to the end of the podcast. <laughs> But uh, my segue is going to be, oh, you know, it's, it's really nice, like, listening to your stories of, like, you and your family. You know, I haven't seen my family in two years. That reminds me of Interstellar. 
Oh, beautiful. Yes, let's let's move straight on because this is, I say straight on, we're 10 fucking minutes in. Um, uh, goodness gracious, we're recording later than usual today and, and I'm worried I'm not going to get dinner tonight. Um, so um, let's get straight in. We are, of course, reviewing Interstellar this week. Uh, I'm just going to say at this point, if you haven't watched Interstellar, uh, and you know what? Mostly, this is actually a direct message to my girlfriend, who I know hasn't watched Interstellar. Um, stop listening to this fucking podcast. Go and watch Interstellar. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best ever movie uh, that will ever be produced, but it's a movie definitely worth fucking watching and not experiencing through us two dumb shits. So go and watch Interstellar. You've already downloaded. I don't give a shit. Um, and then come back, uh, and I'll and we can resume talking about this film, which is uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, obviously. We've, in fact, already had a Christopher Nolan film uh, on this Anne Hathaway podcast, of course, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, but also very famous director known for uh, Inception and uh, The Dark Knight Trilogy and uh, Memento, amongst others. Um, it is written by Christopher Nolan himself and Jonathan Nolan. We will get on to the perhaps interesting way in which this uh, script was um, developed in a minute, uh, but it is starring... Uh, you know, down to earth, salt of the earth, never fucking understand what he's saying, Matthew McConaughey, uh, along with uh, Anne Hathaway, of course, uh, Jessica Chastain playing the, uh, spoilers, older Don't version. Ruin it. Damn it. Spoil it right here. <laughs> Yeah, I already told. I already told people to. If you haven't seen this, to fucking stop listening. That's oh, their fault. No, ja- Jamie, part. Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. You're underselling yourself. All right. It, you, look, film bros love Christopher Nolan. They could love us too. We could be the Christopher Nolan of film podcasts. All right. You just got to think about weird ways of doing it structurally, like our opening bit where we were giving two possible timelines. All right. It's like sideways this podcast. All right. We are the Christopher <laughs> Nolan of film podcasts. Um. So, yeah, we've got Jessica Chastain playing the uh, older version of Matthew McConaughey's um, uh, daughter. Uh, well, no, I feel like we normally do this and then we forgot to, to do it for like eight weeks. Uh, but uh, Interstellar, for those who don't know, and again, if you're still listening to this and don't know what Interstellar is about, fucking sort your life out. Um, but it's a post-apocalyptic society. Uh, apocalyptic society. Post-climate apocalypse uh society uh humans can no longer survive on earth so they are sending out matthew mcconaughey and anna hathaway and like three other people um to find other habitable planets oh things got a little bit wrong um so uh we uh, have jessica chastain playing the older version of matthew mcconaughey's daughter we have john lithgow playing his father or father-in-law i'm not really yeah. sure um father-in-law Michael Caine playing, uh, yes, yes, a fucking really, a really young Casey Affleck, and then, uh, sorry, a really young Timothy Chalamet, and then Casey Affleck, who shouldn't look like an older, but it shouldn't work as well as it does. But it does. It works it totally so does. Well. Casey Affleck absolutely it's... looks like an older version of Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Chalamet. It, uh, it's bonkers. Uh, we have Michael Caine, uh, who does not suit the style of this movie, but whatever. Uh, Michael, Michael the... Caine, by this point, I literally just think it's that... Um honestly like Michael Caine must have moved to the Bahamas at some point not been eligible for a pension and so Christopher Nolan every few years is like dude yeah let's get in it's fine um, but yeah he's <laughs> playing um, uh, a high ranking NASA scientist who is also Anne Hathaway's father um, and and then there's uh, oh, well, I'll, I won't spoil the other big what? yes I am fucking Matt Matt Damon turns up in this movie he was not in the marketing at all but he turns up it's bonkers um, and That's then t- you also have Topher Grace uh, who you know what he's turned up in a lot of movies that we've watched yeah. and you know what I love it 
I love it. I yeah. love Topher Grace. I think it's fantastic that he has had a good career post 70s show. Love no, it. I was going to say post Spider Man 3, because to be yeah, honest, no yeah, one should recover from Spider Man 3, but he did. And you know what? Like, honestly, Cameo in Ocean's Eleven, one of my favorite films of all time, brilliant. Uh, shows up in this, shows up in um, Black Klansman. Topher Grace is like a really Topher Grace good. Is great. Love him. Not only a main character, but he's a very good supporting actor. Like, he's there Absolutely. for whatever you need, and that is fantastic. Uh, Jamie, um, I mean, you're missing out on so many fun facts about this film, but carry on. Carry I'm, on. I'm, like, I'm, I'm barely fucking into it, mate. I've told you the plot and the cast. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, uh, this movie was made level, on a $165 million budget, which was actually under budget, which is bonkers for this movie. This movie came $10 million under budget, uh, originally proposed by uh, Paramount and Warner Bros. There's interesting aspects about why Paramount and Warner Bros, who don't normally work together, ended up working together on this film, uh, including uh, back deal tradings about a South Park movie, which is very strange. Um, this movie made $700 million, uh, which is a, a very good, good return, return on $165 million. You seemed like you wanted to say more about the South Park movie. No, no, no. I, I always find it interesting when when studios do that. When there are those weird, like, very odd background dealings for why you have, like, two or three major, like, studios on stuff. Same reason why I believe Paramount still owns the right. Is it Paramount Universal? One of the two of them still owns the rights to the Hulk, hence why you never have a Hulk movie by itself. Yeah. The Hulk shows up and stuff. And I believe in any film the Hulk is in, I think they get, like, a credit on. Yeah. Um, um uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about the the development of this film because it is whoa, 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 uh, whoa. before jimmy yes. do you want to know why it came in under budget do you want a fun fact about why it came in under budget go for it go this for is it. the one everyone knows so stop me if you've heard this one before of course jamie but in this film at the beginning of this film of course matthew mcconaughey is a farmer he's farming corn and as such christopher, christopher nolan uh, famously was like cool so we'll just we got this land just grow some corn in it so they grew an entire field of corn and at the end, they went cool, and now we need to show you again, but with no corn. So just just sell all the corn. So they grew this entire field of corn, and at the end, they just sold all that corn, and they made a profit on it, which is I I, so I do funny. not believe I do not that is that is true. I do not believe that is why they came ten million dollars uh, under budget. Jamie, how you fucking don't know expensive how much is corn, corn costs, man? Dude, <laughs> like, think about one cup of corn. What can that cost, Jamie? Eight pounds. All right, think about the entire field. <laughs> I've watched Clarkson's Farm. I know all about this. Um, so, yeah, uh, this film was originally conceived by uh, a producer, Linda Obst, and a theoretical physicist, Kip Thorne. And I love this fact, yeah. who only met because Carl Sagan set them up on a blind date. Um, so a blind date set up by Carl Sagan is why this movie gets made. Um, it was originally due to be directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, who eventually ended up moving from the project because, and I did not know this, Alexander, Steven Spielberg is a founder of DreamWorks. Yeah. I feel like that's something I should have known, but I totally did not. Um, but when DreamWorks moved from Paramount to Disney, uh, he was no longer involved with the project, so they looked for someone new. Uh, Jonathan DreamWorks Nolan... DreamWorks is the... not owned by Disney. Yes, it is. As uh... of... Two... I am, I am reading after Spielberg moved his production studio DreamWorks from Paramount to Walt Disney Studios in 2009. They needed a new director. That 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 is that oh, is the movie might have moved, but DreamWorks is definitely still owned by Universal. Or DreamWorks Animation is. After Spielberg moved his production studio DreamWorks from yeah. Paramount to Walt Disney Studios, I accept uh, that uh, I am using Wikipedia, which my teachers very much told me I should maybe, not. No, no, um, no, no, no. 
Let me have. I'll, I'll look into. The, maybe it's just Amblin moved across. Let me. You keep on going. I'm going to research about this because I'm very okay. Confused. Cool. Um, it, it may well have moved to Disney and then moved somewhere else. Who knows? Um, anyway, um, Jonathan Nolan, who had already been brought in to uh, write a treatment uh, based on Ops and Thorn's uh, original research, uh, and and pitch, uh, you know, weirdly just went. How about how about my brother? What if he directs mm. this? We work together on every fucking Pretty movie. Much. That would work. maybe it would work. Um, so Christopher Nolan was, of course, brought in. Yes, Alexander, you have a point. So uh, you are completely correct. There was like a, I think it's like six year period where, uh, eight year period where DreamWorks uh, was distributed by Touchstone, which is a Disney subsidiary. They are now back to Universal. That is why I'm confused. They went Universal, briefly Disney, back to Universal, which is very There funny. you go. Um, uh, so yeah, basically, uh, th- there's a very weird thing about this script where Jonathan Nolan wrote his own script over like four mm-hmm. years. Uh, both him and Christopher Nolan uh, did a lot of research. Uh, obviously, yeah. I'm not going to go deep into it, but they did a lot of uh, scientific research yeah. going into it. Um, Christopher Nolan independently wrote his own version of the script, and then they just kind of got them and melded them mm-hmm. together. Uh, so-, so a lot of the first hour of the movie comes from Jonathan. Um, uh, Nolan's original treatment uh, and then Christopher Nolan uh, mm-hmm. generally has most of the work on the last two hours or so once they're in space that's interesting and uh, I maintain the work of uh, the, uh, like Christopher Nolan without Jonathan Nolan is normally worse like I know because Jonathan wrote the Dark Knight films I think as well yes he I did. don't think Jonathan wrote Tenet and that is uh, noticeable in Tenet uh, yes absolutely but um, um do you know originally- uh, yep oh, so other fun fact um the score for this movie, I'm not sure, so apologies if this, if this will come up anyway, but uh, the score for this movie, famously, uh, Jonathan Nolan just, sorry, Christopher Nolan just asked Hans Zimmer just to write in some music, like, he just said, don't tell me the genre, just like, like any genre, don't really give a crap, just like, write me some music to write to, and he did the score, and then he wrote the soundtrack, he wrote the script to the score, so the score came um, first. Yes, uh, you're, you're missing a, a key detail on that, which is yeah. hilarious. Um, that Nolan did not, uh, you are correct, he did not provide him uh, a lot of information. He didn't give him a script or any plot details or anything. Um, he did give him uh, a single page that told the story of a father leaving his child for work. That is what Christopher Nolan gave to Hans Zimmer. And then he was like, go on, make a score, which is insane. Uh, but having said that, the the score is fucking incredible on this. And of course, it's incredible because it's made by Hans Zimmer. Um, uh, further interesting things... Um, when they were looking for someone uh, to cast, Matthew McConaughey was the first person uh, they thought of after Christopher Nolan saw him in Mud in 2012. Uh, and they were just basically looking for a, you know, a down-to-earth, you know, salt-of-the-earth, man-of-the-people, um, mumbling like no fucking business. Uh, and, and that's why uh, they end up with Matthew McConaughey. Um, in terms of uh, just the, the last sort of thing I'll, I'll touch on and, and then we'll sort of touch on things as we go through. Uh, but this ha- this film has a shockingly low amount of CGI. Um, mm. There's a lot of um, special effects or, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Visual but um, and, a, an incredible amount of this was done in practical uh, effects. So a lot of the spaceships are miniature mm. models and even the backgrounds on them are not green screens. They yeah. are projections that yeah. are filmed in real time. 
Um, mm. And even a lot of the work that the actors do is not on green screen, it's on projections to give them a better sense. Yeah. Uh, that was something that um, uh, that Christopher Nolan really wanted to, to mm. work through. Um, and, and they've said that there's basically the same amount of actual CGI in this as in the Dark Knight trilogy, which is bonkers for, for a movie set in fucking space. Yeah. Um, yes, but, right, like, it's one of those things where... It's it's one of those things where even even on a movie like this, I think I think if you compare it to something like the Marvel movies, which where there is more obvious CGI, yeah, it kind of feels like oh, there's none. Whereas in reality, it's like there's still like a shit ton. Oh yeah, it's of just course, relative of to like other ways that p- these movies get made. It doesn't is less. I think some of it's like really fascinating, especially the look and even with projection. The projection stuff's really interesting. There's a clip going around of like. Um, uh, James Cameron talking about his use of projection on stuff like uh, The Terminator and why yeah. he always felt that it's better than green screen. Um, although, obviously, he makes Avatar later on, which is a lot of green screen. But um, it's interesting to me because then, now more recently with The Mandalorian, uh, Disney has gone really hard in on projection stuff rather than green screen because yeah. have, you, have you seen this with The Mandalorian? They're kind of big... Um, they basically have created these like almost like theatre-like sets with the kind of uh, completely surrounding LED wall, yeah. like curved screen all around. So you can create backgrounds um, without having to use kind of um, like blue screen, which I think is fascinating. It's really interesting. And absolutely. it definitely and, pays and, off and, really well here. Absolutely. I think there's there's two aspects. I think firstly, visually, it pays off because it looks mm. more real. But I'm sure it gets better performances out of the actors as well because, yeah. I mean, uh, I can't remember. Is it, is it Ian McKellen who... Uh, expressed just real depression with working constantly on green screens in the Lord of the Rings. I, I think it was the Lord of the Rings. I think it was the Hobbit. I think it was the Hobbit the in Hobbit. particular. Yeah. He was. I think he was fine in Lord of the Rings. I think by the time he got to the Hobbit, there was more use of. Um, yeah, and, and and I'm sure that well, that absolutely will have an effect on uh, on an actor's ability to really get themselves uh, in the scene. Um, that's basically it. I, sh- I should mention that this did win uh, one Oscar for Best Visual Effects and also got nominated for Best Score, Best Production Design, Best Sound Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. Uh, all completely unsurprising. Um, what well, one Best Production Design that year? Because it has. I was. I think it was all the way through. Like the sets are fantastic. Like it's. I can tell you in. There's a lot of years, so I have to scroll down quite far. Um, when did this movie come out? 2014. Uh, it lost the Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, um, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I see it losing to that. That that actually makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, always so good. So let's let's get fucking out. Oh oh oh! Well, one, one second. One oh, second. One, no, one last thing. Fine. You mentioned Kit Thorne. Obviously, uh, he then published a book afterwards about the science uh, in this movie, including like the research that because Kit Thorne was involved in like as the kind of scientific consultant on this, and uh, I believe like published you know published scientific work off kind of research done for this film, which is cool. Okay, Alexander. Worth we're gonna get into it, well uh, well firstly i'm gonna say alexander mm. it's been a big old week for me i'm not prepared for this podcast i do I, not i, ha- I do not I have am. an anagram i do not have a six oh, degrees of separation i have neither of those things um are we gonna do six degrees of, of separation have you got one can you do one easy uh six degrees of separation you go from uh all right Anne hathaway's in this as is, well, you can't use uh, Anne Hathaway. You can't use Anne no, no, Hathaway. No, 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 no. I, no, I know. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking that Matthew McConaughey's in it. Matthew McConaughey is also in Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio, DiCaprio in, goes uh, in. Tom Hanks. There you go. Yeah. Uh, in uh, uh, Jamie. Uh, 
this film, you know, you might, if you want an anagram, you might say, uh, you know, if I was to uh, say... We do it at hey, the end of the plot. We do it at the end of the okay, plot, I'll save, I'll save it then. I'll save it. Save Jamie, it. you say that you're not prepared, all right? I am ready to talk about this okay, movie. Okay, I know. I'm more I ready know, to Alexander, talk about this movie but, than any movie I've, I've ever been ready to I know, talk about. I'm but Alexander, there's, there's a few things. Firstly, I have yeah. already told our listeners that they should know, that they should have watched this film. So I don't think we need to be minute by minute on this plot. No, 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 we're not doing minute by minute. What I want to set you, I want to set you. There is uh, around about 45 minutes, I believe, of this movie until they go into space. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been out on the golf course today drinking a lot of water because it's very warm. Yeah. I need to go to the loo. So what I'm going to do, I, I want to set you four minutes. I'm going to give okay. you four minutes. I'm going to set a timer. I want you to do the first 45 minutes of this film in four minutes. I think that is perfectly reasonable. There's not that much. It, it, Don't I will so say, much. That's the heart it's of great. the film. Jamie, can you give me, can you give me his eight? Because there is the, there's a lot of important stuff. That gets, no, 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 because the ghost, no, no, no. If only because of ghost stuff. The ghost stuff pays off at the end and needs to get set up. I, yeah, I, I know. I'm, 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 all right, we're meeting you in go, the middle. You leave, you leave. Jamie, you we're might take the wrong piss. You drank a lot of beer today, six, all right? Six, six minutes. I said six. I may have revealed to you in private message that I had had two pints after my <laughs> round of golf. But that was private. On air, all I had said was that I'd drunk a lot of water. You <laughs> shit. <laughs> right, I will give okay. you six minutes. I, I'm sure I'll be back around about when you're still dis- fucking discussing yeah. this dust storm. Right, six minutes. Off you go. Guys, let me tell you about a little thing called the Dust Bowl. That's right, once upon a time in a land called America, as this film begins, we get clips from Ken Burns' documentary on the Dust Bowl, a time when in the middle of America, over-farming uh, alongside uh, bad weather conditions led to these giant dust storms uh, ravaging the country. And this has happened again. Uh, we see that a blight has been striking the world, which is killing a lot of the crops. Uh, it's killed weeds, I think, 14 years ago. It ki- has killed ochre this year. Uh, and all that is left to farm currently is corn. We introduced to Matthew McConaughey, a farmer who is discontent with his lot in life. As we reveal at the beginning, uh, he was once a pilot who worked for NASA, but uh, the world no longer feels like it needs space travel, and as such, he never was able to go into space, although he is fully trained and ready to go. He raises his two kids, Murph and Timothée Chalamet. Murph, I know her name. They say a lot in this movie. That's great. Timothée Chalamet, he's going to be a farmer. That's right. You think soft boy Timothée Chalamet is good for anything? He's good for some corn. All right, make some cornbread, make, make some polenta, you know, always good things to have. Uh, some things about the world are set up. There was uh, effectively, like, when, uh, no, not Christopher Nolan, when uh, Matthew McConaughey was uh, uh, young, there were, clearly the world descended into kind of apocalyptic-style situation uh, because of food sources, and at some point, uh, this resolved itself because people uh, became farmers. They basically, you know, after this... Kind How of, the, uh, the fuck of you are you only here? Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> the world was sending into chaos. There were these farmers and they are now like, they can now see themselves as like a caretaker generation. At Murph's school, they say the Apollo missions didn't happen. They say it was fake and he's really pissed about that. Murph is smart. Uh, Timothy Chamelay is dum-dum and uh, will just be a farmer. Uh, at the house, there is a ghost in Murph's bedroom. Things keep falling off. Murph is claiming he's trying to speak to her in Morse code. Uh, and Matthew McConaughey's like, 
that's not scientific. There's no such thing as ghosts, you dumb dumb. But wait, Jamie, after uh, after a big dust storm, they come back to the house after a ball game, and uh, there is some lines in the floor which he realizes is binary, you have four and specifically left. he. That's fine. Loads of time. He realizes <laughs> that is uh, a binary code for coordinates, which takes them to NASA. That's right. NASA is still around, but in secret. Uh, they NASA reveals uh, a couple of things happen. One, we see a big robot. Uh, the big robot just looks like a big, you know, chocolate bar with floppy chocolate bar arms. Not floppy. Uh, Bidget chocolate bar arms. Tars, I believe. No, that was not Tars. They have individual names. One is Tars later on. One is I think Kit later on, and then after Kit Thorne. Uh, importantly, after he meets Anne Hathaway, and Anne Hathaway reveals that they are about to go on a mission uh, into space in order to find habitable worlds, specifically the same anomaly that uh, that uh, Matthew McConaughey found. Um, they had found other anomalies similar to it beforehand, which kind of interactions with gravity, uh, which led them to a wormhole uh, near Saturn. And this wormhole they found through sending probes and through sending other missions through uh, led them to uh, a number of possible systems where there would be possible. Yes, I believe they planets. send they send out twelve people who have then been people. sending signals back if their yeah. planets are habitable. Yeah, and one system was found to have uh, habitable planets. To which she says one system. That's not a lot. She goes one system with three habitable planets. Okay, those are the stakes. Uh, at this point, we kind of find Michael Caine. Michael Caine clearly used to work with Matthew McConaughey when he was at NASA, uh, but refused to drop bombs on people to kill the starving. Uh, however, has in secret been running the NASA program following. Uh, but the world, you know, because they're caretakers, they feel like everyone used to be bad, doesn't like NASA anymore. It's now a secret thing. Okay, great, cool. Uh, Michael Caine gives two options, plan A and plan B. Plan oh, wait, A, no. Okay, I'm going to pause the is... timer because I want to talk sure. about plan A and plan B. I forgot about this. <laughs> okay, so plan A. <laughs> Plan A. Let, let me let me pitch you what they got. They got Plan A, which no, is... No, 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 Jamie, okay. Jamie, let me get into the Dragon's Den mode. mode okay, get ready, everyone said Dragon's Actually, Den. no, no, wait, wait. Dun, dun. Actually, can, okay. you, no, can you pitch Plan A because I don't fully understand sure. it? And then I'll pitch Plan B. Okay, I'll pitch Plan A. Hi, Dragons. Uh, it's me today. And I'm here to pitch you a plan to save the world for a small investment of $30 trillion. Uh, you might be able to help me out and save humanity. All right, okay. I know what you might be thinking. Trillion dollars? How much investment am I going to get? You're going to get 40% stake, okay? 40% stake in saving the world. Because of my genius brain, I get the rest of the 60%. Great. Here's the plan. It's genius, okay? Here's the plan. It's all genius. We want to go off world and save everyone from dying. That's great. We know there's some habitable worlds up there. Great. We need to get everyone off. That should be easy, right? We have rockets. Wrong. It's not easy because, as it turns out, rockets need a lot of propulsion to go up and there is currently a gravity problem. You couldn't put everyone on Earth on rockets big enough uh, and have enough thrust to be able to like actually evacuate from space. It, gravity would be too strong. It's, it's not possible to get something that large uh, into orbit. So, plan A is to get everyone off-world uh, in spaceships. However, there is a problem with plan A, and that is specifically gravity. They are not able to solve for gravity. Therefore, at the center of it is me, Michael. I'm a young Michael Caine. Hello, I'm a young Michael Caine. You're not I'm a young Michael Caine. For, I'm you are a rough-looking old Michael Caine. <laughs> I'm going to solve for gravity, guys, and then we'll be able yeah. to take everyone off-world. So, yeah. the, the idea is, while Michael McConaughey... Michael McConaughey? Michael McConaughey using of Michael Caine and, yeah. and Matthew McConaughey while they are on this trip he will solve the, the gravity problem uh, and, yeah. and they're like well and they can well, then that, go that, to the world they find yeah and, and, and Matthew McConaughey's well, like what if you don't well that's that's plan B and this is when a young man turns up and he basically goes well we've got voluminous amounts of cum we've just got mountains and mountains of cum and we've stored it all up 
and we're just gonna take that and make that work uh and they're like well that doesn't produce much uh, diversity within the uh, within the genus and they're like yeah that's why we hope plan a works because uh this this these mountains of cum that we've got we aren't particularly proud of so technically it's the opposite they they do technically say they have a number of fertilized eggs so it's not fertilized just cum, it's not just cum right, I, Jamie? I know it's, alexander it's, it's, it's perhaps no, that i Jamie, came up with this joke last night and i wanted si- to use it it's successful cum all right it's, it's not that any other loser cum it's cum that has done its job yeah, right it, so, it's it's specifically you know fertilized eggs that are yeah. are being fr- fr- cry- cryogenically is that the word they're, they're being cryogenically frozen basically the idea is like they have machines that can incubate childs so what, it wouldn't just be hypothetically Anne hathaway bearing thousands of children <laughs> Which, yes, if yeah. you don't pay attention, you might think that's the case, as I did yeah. the first time watching. Yeah, it's it, it's a bunch of test tube babies, basically. Yeah, and they, um, and they have and, made a way to grow people from. Yeah, them. and and then you know all the cousins would have to would have to start but sleeping not, with each other. But he, so I think the idea is they would they have like five thousand of these embryos or like uh, zygos, um, and they would on the first thaw dethaw like twenty of them. None of them are genetically related. Which means, in theory, by the second generation, you should have like it sh- you should be able to uh, breed a su- uh, sufficiently diverse population from them. Hopefully, not related but they do, they do they do they express know. that one of the issues with Plan B is that there won't be that much sure. um, genetic diversity. Uh, diversity. Anyway, so those are Plan A and Plan B. Um, Matthew McConaughey, he goes whoa, back whoa, whoa, whoa. to that. Jamie, Jamie, sorry, I had time left on my clock. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, I'll rest. I'll rest. I'll rest. Back to the beginning. You have two minutes. minutes. Two minutes and 20 seconds. Right. Uh, Matthew Mahoney is given uh, uh, an ask. They say, we're going on to space tomorrow. You can fly a space plane. Clearly, something, some kind of they is referenced, uh, referring to what they think is some kind of fifth dimensional being, brought you to us. You need to go on this mission. Matthew McConaughey is like, I was always meant to go into space. Uh, and they went, yeah, cool. So you're going to go? And he's like, sure, I just need to say goodbye to my kids. Uh, I'm going to uh, go to Alexander, space. That, that was a terrible uh, impression. It was... I was always supposed to go on the spike. I was always going to space, man. That's this is bad. Nothing. just a lot of fucking mumbling. A lot. I'd like. I am I, I being like unfair? Am I being? I I think yeah. he's great in this. Am I being unfair to say that there are definite lines of his where I fully cannot understand? Here's here's where you're being unfair. Um, Nolan movies in general have he mixes audio in a really specific way, which often is he doesn't mind things being lost for word wise yeah. like Tenet is the worst of this um, so so and- no actually wait no 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 I am I'm not being unfair I'm no, criticising no, no. his literal intention no, 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 but, ah, but I would say that I so one Matthew Connery's hard to understand anyway I think it's made worse often by the mixing in Nolan films which yep. is a problem that has been mentioned lots of things um, it is just a thing he does and it's weird you have um, a minute left to get us into space, Alexander. Sure. Okay. So at this point, he goes to Murph. He talks to Murph. He's like, uh, "I gotta go, kid," and you go, you're mad at me. She's like, "Don't leave me." And he's like, "I gotta leave you, but I'll be back." We gotta we gotta pause to talk about the worst parenting ever done by a parent. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I will pause because it because I know exactly what, what you're he, talking Jamie, about. Jamie, Jamie, I want you to I want you to be a small child. Okay, you be a small child. I'll be your father. Right. Okay. Hello. I'm going into space, Jamie. Oh, I wish you. It's wouldn't. gonna be a long. I'm gonna Do miss you. Do you know how long it's gonna take? Probably quite a long time. A fucking long time. Hey, Jamie, but you know what's going to be great? Don't swear at me, Dad. Oh, fuck you, kid. I'm (laughs) space. I follow space rules now. Here's a watch. Guess what? Fun fact. By the time I may be back, you might be as old as me, but I won't have... (laughs) Oh, that sounds really traumatic, Dad. (laughs) I don't know why uh, you think that's a solid pitch. 
Hey, in your uh, in your little book there, uh, did you ever translate any codes from the ghosts? Oh yeah, all the time. I'm a fucking weirdo. <laughs> hey, does that does that is that the ghost saying that stay? Oh, I don't believe it. The ghosts were telling me to go. All right, the ghosts yeah, want yeah. me to leave for space. I, uh, obviously, you do, it, it's it's one of those. It, it, it's like aloha in, in in Alien. Stay and go are the same word. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, um, uh, he he ends up leaving. Uh, and Murph's and, mad, and and Murph is mad. Um, and so they go up into space. Um, we have four of them. Yeah, so currently there are four of them. Uh, yeah, there so, is, uh, uh, of course, Matthew McConaughey. There's Anne Hathaway. There's Beard Guy, uh, and there is uh, not Jeffrey Wright. Um, what is the actor's name? Uh, Where's Bentley? I believe. Yes. No, that's no, that's the bearded guy. That's the bearded guy. Um, David Giassi. David Giassi. Cool. Um, and they're all together in space, and there are the robots there. Kiss is there. This is uh, where Kit and Tars are. Uh, there's a fun bit where um, Tars is way too sarcastic uh, while they are launching into space and they tell Tars to one, signal when he's being sarcastic and also to lower his sarcasm uh, meter. Yeah, the dialogue with Tars is, is good fun. Um, so yeah, they, they get up in space and then they're basically put into um, uh, cryogenic sleep until they reach Saturn. So that's um, two years. They told you it's going to be two years into the future when that happens. Yeah. We notice um, a couple... I, I can't help but notice that uh, the inspiration for Passengers must have been specifically this fucking... Not Passengers, the one we've watched for this film, uh, the the um, Chris Pratt Passengers. Because the whole concept oh. of that is that they go into cryogenic sleep and then they wake up too early, right? But Jamie, cryogenic sleep is not invented by Interstellar. Like That's a, that's been a thing in sci-fi for a long time. Oh, it's very... Fu- it's it's very similar. And I'm saying this as someone who has never seen the Chris Pratt movie Passengers, but it just sure. strikes me as someone I- watched this movie and went oh but what if they woke up early and no one else did and what if Chris feel, Pratt weirdly woke up Jennifer Lawrence cry- cryogenic sleep in, in the use in space is definitely like a sci-fi trope Fair so enough. like m- maybe but it, they, they um, bear so a resemblance they, they so, reach Saturan uh, and we oh, get no, no, a concept no. Yeah, well, so, so no, no, sorry. I think you're literally about to say sorry. Really apologise for interrupting you. <laughs> they get, uh, we get the concept that they receive video messages yeah. from Earth. So uh, Michael Caine gets a couple from John Lithgow, uh, who expresses that Murph. Matthew McConaughey gets to. a couple from John Lithgow. Michael Caine's on Earth. Oh, he's getting just like these I don't know why I'm mixing up Michael Caine and Matthew McConaughey. No, because no, Michael, there is a scene with Michael Caine and John Lithgow where Michael Caine says, "Hey, you can record these." Yeah. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, John, John Lithgow sends one to Matthew McConaughey, uh, expresses that Murph is in, is still angry with him, not able to send one. Uh, I believe Anne Hathaway also gets one from from Michael Caine. Um, yeah. Who so, does the, uh, he repeats, as is repeated a lot through the, the film, do not go gently into that good night speech. That is... Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, which rage, rage, uh, rage, I can highly, highly recommend anyone who uh, enjoys that poem uh, to look up the reading of Michael Sheen. He recently did one uh, to publicise a Dylan Thomas play that's going on at the uh, National, and it's a great fucking delivery of that poem. Um, anyway, uh, so they are reaching the anomaly slash wormhole uh, outside of um, Saturn. Yeah. Wormholes uh, are explained get... at this point very yep. quickly. We don't have to explain it. Basically, just take a piece of paper and poke a hole through it. That's a wormhole. Yes. Yeah. So it will transport you to another part of the universe. Great. Um, so they go through and then they're trying to figure out where they go, basically. Um, the biggest issue is the main one they want to go to. Um, 
the is very near the event horizon. Uh, mm. Now, personally, I don't know why they're looking at this one at all, Alexander. I don't feel like a ha- habitable planet is mere yeah, minutes from an event horizon. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But because of the uh, extreme gravitational force uh, by the event horizon um, slash black hole, I don't know, whatever, um, time is going to be experienced very differently on this planet, yeah. i.e. it's going to be a lot, lot, lot slower they are going to go down there and they might be there i think it's something like every hour is will be seven years seven years so originally they were like well we could come in through this angle but we'd spend a long fucking time so matthew mcconaughey is like oh what if we just like and just dropped ourselves in we get in and out get our readings uh, mm-hmm. and so that's the plan um uh, the um uh, david gassi's character is due to stay on the planet he's like while you guys are down there it's going to be like two years that's fine i'll do some event horizon uh research uh you guys get down there so we land on the first of three planets that they're gonna look three do they end up going to the third? three they're three yeah they do end up going to the three planets um now alexander you tell Mm. me you're on a science mission trying to find a habitable planet you land entire fucking planet is covered in water just the entire fucking thing absolutely everything just fucking three feet deep in water personally i turn around immediately i know that every minute i spend here is an incredible amount of time wasted <laughs> i turn around e fucking immediately um mm. but that is not the choice that they make um they're trying to no, find the- yeah, so they're trying specifically to find Anne Hathaway the... proceeds to make a bunch of bad decisions. Yes. Um, so they find the because basically what so uh, as uh, we kind of very mentioned briefly in the eight minutes or six minutes I was allowed to talk about this stuff um, that there were people sent across these missions. They were basically told it was a suicide mission. It's Project Lazarus, uh, and on these missions uh, they were due to kind of go there, get reconnaissance and all that kind of stuff. They go and they find the woman here that was meant to be found, but she is dead. She, they crashed. Probably for her, it was maybe an hour ago, but for them, obviously, yes. it's been ten years since. Yeah, then. That, that yeah, that's the idea. Is like, how come they're like, well, how how come she's still sending us back uh, stuff? Well, because of the time distortion. She she literally only died minutes ago. Um, yeah. But uh, so that Anne Hathaway is like, no, but we still need to get the data again. Yeah. Why? Why do you need the data? This planet is useless. But um, Matthew McConaughey sees in the distance, well, that's a massive fucking tidal wave. Uh, we should probably get off of this place. Uh, but Anna Hathaway's like, no, 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 I've got to go get it. So we get a little sequence. You know, they, they just about make it back to the ship. But uh, the third guy, and this is uh, incredibly brutal. This movie does not fuck around with character deaths. Yeah. This guy gets just fucking swept by a tidal wave as they're getting back yeah. in. Gone. Don't even see him again. <laughs> uh, actually, no, we do. We see his floating body in about a minute. But they get caught up by the tidal wave, which means they end up spending way longer on this planet. They eventually manage to just about, through a nice action sequence, get out, uh, go back up, meet the thing. Um, He's now 21 uh, years older. Yes, De- David Gassi is like, you've been down there for 24 fucking years. Um, uh, and, and I sort of want to very briefly touch on, um, this movie deals with uh, almost incomprehensible human emotions. Mm. Um, I, the idea that this man is left by himself in this spaceship for yeah. 24 fucking years he expresses that he goes into to cryo, cryogenesis yeah. for, for like some parts of that but we it 
it is so underplayed how mm. mind-bogglingly traumatic that yeah. event is and they kind of just brush past it i get it it's a big movie there's a lot to get through but i'm like my guy this this is this is incomprehensible human trauma and this movie is just like oh that's a bit sad for him um it's also that you like to be fair to him like he has some robots to talk to there, there's a robot up there so he has a robot friend yeah. but um, um but but yeah we, we sort of back. brush past that and we do get one of probably the most powerful very well-known scenes from this movie which is that there are now 24 years worth of videos Mm -hmm. uh, to be watched and so we get a really really good sequence just terrific acting by by matthew mcconaughey watching the videos of his kids getting older his, not his even son, his kids, because so his, his, his mother's not talking to him still. So it oh, is, Murphy's still not talking to this part. You're so right. no, so we, we see it go from uh, Timothy Chalamet talking to him, Timothy Chalamet being like, here's my girlfriend, uh, to Casey Affleck being like, hey, this is my wife, to Casey Affleck being like, here's my baby girl, to Casey Affleck being like, my baby girl just died, to, yeah. and then I think, and then eventually I think he, he small he, it, Affleck, Basically he's just eventually. like, I, we, we haven't received anything from you in 20, 20 fucking years. Yeah this is probably going to be my last one and then it cuts and then it's jessica chastain uh and she oh. basically is just like i'm so angry with you dad i'm still angry this it's is an, an, an adult murph now 20 years later it's my birthday i've never sent one of these before i'm furious with you you, you let's said stop you would let's come stop back. here just for a quick second jay yep the, the 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 topic of the conversation is hey my it's my birthday and you know what that means this is the year that I'm older than you. You said you'd come back yeah. and you said when they came back we might be the same age. And as it turns out, I am now older than you were when you left. Now, are we meant to believe yeah. that like that Matthew McConaughey at the start of this film was in his 30s? Because that's presumably how old Jessica Chastain is meant to be in here. And I don't think that Matthew McConaughey was meant to be like 36. I think no. he looks like 45 to 50. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're, they're, they're fudging the numbers a little bit, yeah. uh, as they as they are with Jessica the Jessica Chastain looks 29 constantly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we, we, get, um, we now learn that Jessica Chastain is still working uh, at NASA with mm-hmm. um, Michael Caine. And I think it is around this point where we get a scene where it's quite clearly expressed. Jack, Jessica Chastain is like, this this gravity stuff isn't working. Like, like it's, yeah. it's really not. There's there's something wrong here. And you're, Michael Caine just, just fucking wheels his wheelchair away. You don't like, fucking know. Leave me alone. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck um, off. Yeah, um, he, he, I think he literally is something along the lines. She's like, you're, why are you doing X, Y, and Z? It's like you're trying to do this with your hands tied behind your back. What are you doing? And she, he kind of goes off. Um, at this point, they go back on. They're on the space station, and they're like, "He's dead." There are two possible worlds left. However, because you've gone so long, we only have the fuel to go to one of them. Uh, we only have um, enough fuel to go to one, and then return home. That's all we yeah. really have the fuel for. They go okay. Uh, we also know from the beginning of this that there's one of these planets has uh, Anne Hathaway's boyfriend on it. Uh, or someone she loved from 10 years ago. Yeah. And so she goes, we should go to that one. They go, why? She says, well, there's better, like, better it's data. further away from the black hole, which is good. Better data. And they go, well, but it seems to be that, like, they stopped responding for a while ago. It seems to be the guy in there is dead. Whereas the guy on the other one is definitely alive. And they go, well, it seems to be alive. And she goes, well, sure, but like, I'm pretty sure it's this one. It's at this point we get the love speech, which, um, 
works at the end of the film does for me doesn't really work in what it works once you get to the end it feels weird here it, it feels like feel she's kind of crazy yeah, yeah no she, she's just like uh sometimes you just like, have, sometimes you love just is have a, to back love yeah um, she's like and no she literally talks about like love being a fundamental force of nature force, but like yeah. it is a like it like it is like gravity and, which is a, and a i think story. it kind of sucks that um the one female member of this crew is then portrayed to uh, who we we never get any real information about why she is on this crew deservedly because clearly she is an incredibly smart scientist what we get is her fucking up on the water planet and then her going love is more powerful than water (laughs) yeah it's what i think is interesting is to and and whatever you watch this movie but like she is correct like she is in the end correct and had they just listened to her there would not have been like actually to be fair had they just listened to her they wouldn't be okay but in theory humanity would still have been saved correctly yes so Um, it's but yeah and 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 the love being the powerful force I think we'll discuss this when when we get to the end. It makes sense at the end, and I think it's given a bad rap for how it mm. actually does make sense. Yeah, um, it does make sense but because it, it does make sense, and people there. make it act like. Yeah, it does make yeah, sense. It's there. not. It, it pays um, off at the end, I think. Yeah. Um, so, they, so uh, they, basically, they, 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 we, they, we, wait. We we very quickly do learn Jessica Chastain. Michael Caine is dying. Yeah. Jessica Chastain uh, is with him on his deathbed, and he basically mm-hmm. goes, "Look, I knew Plan A was never going to work. Uh, it it was never going to work." Uh, I like, just I look. I had a, I had a mountain of cum, and I was like, "This is this is my real plan A." But mm. no one wants the cum plan, so we got to we got to dress it up as something else. So um, it, it's even sadder than that, right? He he goes like, "I solved the equation like twenty years ago. Like it, the equation was solved. The issue is you can't get around gravity. Like we need more data from like inside a black hole, and we can't get that." Yeah, that's convenient. But uh, she, so he's like, she's like, but you, you made everyone. And I think by this point, it's implied that like humanity knows NASA's back, and everyone is like, all of humanity is working to try and get off planets. Yeah. So like, and he's he's mentioned elsewhere in the film. He's like, every bolt head is a bullet we didn't do. So I think he's his idea has been, if we are focused on trying to get off world, then we're avoiding killing ourselves during the end times. However, these are the end times. And yeah. it is the opposite of the speech he's been giving. He's repeatedly been saying, died, rage, rage, rage against the dying of the light, but he's doing the opposite. He's accepted the dying of the light. He's yeah. accepted that humanity will die. And he's decided for everyone unilaterally that they won't try and get off. That, like, this is just how it's going to be. That, that, that he will make the ultimate... What He will unilaterally decide that humanity will make the ultimate sacrifice in order to allow the preservation of the human race in general. Um, so they land on uh, Anne Hathaway's boyfriend's. Uh, no, they uh, don't. They, they land on. Um, uh, oh, Matt do they Damon's. go to the other one? They go to Matt Damon's. Yeah, so they go to Matt Damon's. Oh, it's Matt. Da- oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, Matt da- so it, it yeah. is confusing because we never see Anne Hathaway's boyfriend. Um, Matt Damon is not the boyfriend. Okay, um, that makes sense. So Matt they da- land on this other planet um, because they're like, well, he's he's still sending Matt messages, uh, and they find Matt Damon again absolutely bonkers i remember Best watching twist. this I, I remember watching yeah. this in cinema uh, for people who did not uh, i cannot express how matt damon was absolutely not in any of the fucking marketing mm-hmm. and matt damon was and still is but at the time a fucking humongous star so yeah. an hour and 40 minutes into this film everyone had the same fucking reaction of is that fucking matt damon so i um, i didn't see this in cinema i was incredibly regret it and they're like as a twist it is genuinely like 
imagine if, and I, the, the one I think was just pretty comparable, uh, or maybe even better, but imagine if in Thor Ragnarok, they hadn't told you that Hulk was going to be in it, and then you watched it, and then halfway through Hulk turns up, and you're like, holy fuck, Hulk is in this movie? That would be fucking incredible, if only it wasn't, and it was, especially in that film, they are both built up to be this twist, that, hey, this person's in it, you didn't know you was in it, right? Like, it is built around that thing. So yeah. congratulations to the marketing team who had the, enough restraint to be like, you know what? Matthew McConaughey and uh, Anne Hathaway can sell a movie on their own. That's exactly. wrong. Later on, we're going to watch Serenity, which also has both of them, and it did terribly. It's apparently the completely garbage film. I'm so excited to watch it. But, um, um, so, yeah, they can sell uh, a yeah. movie. Uh, Matt, Matt Damon, um, immediately bad vibes. Like, I don't know if this was because I was watching it for the second time, but, but immediately bad vibes come off of Matt Damon um, because they're like, hey, have you got like data? Like what you got for us? And he's like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get that for you soon. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's definitely there, but like it's, it's like in my own secret language that I developed. <laughs> um, um, and like, oh, that that Tars, that that robot over there seems pretty fucked. And Tars is like, oh, I'll fix it. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, I've got the special touch. I can fix it. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, immediate bad vibes off of uh, Matt Damon. Um, they also learn at this point uh, that uh, that Jessica Chastain sends a, a message um, that is that Michael Caine has died, uh, and specifically that he always knew there was no plan A. The plan A is fucked. Um, and she's angry as shit because she's like. I think he, she, she's like, well, you obviously knew Anne Hathaway. Yeah. And clearly my father knew too. And she believes that her father chose to leave them there to die. Yeah. Like, and she is so incredibly angry about this. And she yeah. is like just raging. And she's like, um, did he know? We then start to, to get a little bit of a ramping up of the, the plot back on uh, Earth. Yeah. Uh, Topher Grace turns up. Um, and he and Jessica Chastain are going out to um, uh, th- their ha- the like the house Mouse, again. Mouse, yeah. Yeah, Murph's original house. Um, there's there's a lot of shit going on there. A lot of lot of uh, dust storms. It's not very great mm. out there. Trying to get Casey Affleck to leave. He's like, no, I'm a good farmer, man. I gotta stay in my no, farm. No, I'm maybe an abusive husband now. Oh Ooh. yeah, also that. Um, but basically, uh, basically back on uh, on space. Uh, Matt Damon is like, hey. You see that long plank off the edge of the ship? How about if we just walked over there? Um, and he's like, "No, no, I'm going to take Matthew. I'm going to take Matthew McConaughey. We're going to go out. And we're going to just search out on on this planet. We're going to find it, this yeah, specific place sadder, that's right? going to show." Because Matt Damon had been like, "This place is Howitzel." So Matt, so Matthew McConaughey gets the message from his daughter, and he's like, "I'm going home. All right, you guys can stay here. I am going home to them. I yeah. would rather die with them." So half the, uh, not half the crew. Tars, Tars is basically trying to like they're trying to fix um, Matthew McConaughey's old broken down robot, which got smashed. Ma- for some weird Matt reason. Damon's old robot. Matt Damon, sorry. Uh, while Matthew McConaughey is like just waiting to help set up a couple of these outposts, and then he can go home. Matt Damon's like, cool. There's even running water down here. So they go out to the edge of the world. They're talking to each other. Matt Damon's like, you know, they. S- and clearly foreshadowing that he's about to turn into a villain goes hey you know they say that uh, in the last moments before you die you see your children you know that you, your brain just struggles so hard to like visualise your children so uh, steals his uh, communication chip chucks his communication chip and is like bye bitch and starts headbutting him yeah, yeah. Uh, now I, I I 
I want to see the film where Matt Damon tells the truth and he says, uh, hey, I hear just before you die, you shit yourself. And then starts beating the shit out of Matthew McConaughey. Uh, but yeah, so basically he's like, look, I'm sorry. I need to get home. Uh, the, I knew this place was never habitable, but if I didn't send my messages back, I knew I would never mm. be saved. And Matthew McConaughey's like, you fucking coward. He's like, yeah, I am, bitch. Um, uh, so they have, a, they have a little fight. Um, but uh, I, I I can't remember the specifics of it. But basically, Matt Damon ends up knocking out um, Matthew so, McConaughey and starts to make his journey back. So the specifics Matt- are: what happens is he breaks the it breaks through his glass. So yeah. Matthew McConaughey and the the air is not really breathable for more than a couple of minutes. Matthew McConaughey will die soon. He can't breathe. He's going to be dying. Suffocate to death. Matthew McConaughey goes gets the communication chip as Matt Damon leaves Matt Damon's like you're making the ultimate sacrifice as I go tell the rest of these guys that you died and that we need to leave this world and go to the other planets Um, so as it turns out all along Anne Hathaway was correct yeah Um, he gets the communication chip puts it back in it's like Anne Hathaway save me Anne Hathaway flies across picks him up but unfortunately the last dude who was fixing the robots find something on the robot I can't remember what it was Um, just like the fact that he's back it's like rigged to explode or something (laughs) Um, yeah, because it causes an explosion, doesn't it? Um, it's like a su- yeah, something like that. It's like a suicide bomb. Sorry, like that. yeah. Blows um, up. Matthew McConaughey flies up to go take the space station. He's going up to the top so he can. Matt steal Damon, the... you're as bad as me. Matt, Matt Damon, Damon goes back yeah, to take yeah, yeah, the the yeah. uh, the original. Well, both, space station. Technically, they both go up. They both go up, but yeah. Matt Damon leaves first. Matt Damon's trying to dock. However, uh, Tars the robot specifically set the the thing not to automatically dock, so he'd have to manually dock with this with this. Uh, with the, with the space station um, or the the actual kind of um, yeah uh, space and Matthew McConaughey keeps on trying to get a message through to him um, don't open the doors don't open the doors uh, don't open the doors don't open the doors I want to say the editing at this point is very very it's, good because they effectively um, they cut it they cut away from Matthew McConaughey's message which very effectively shows the the message isn't getting through idea um, I also uh, just think so in general like it's a very complicated sequence because like yeah. you have like two of these things moving they're having to dock like do the docking procedures but like it's always fairly view- like it's it's understandable like it, it always yeah. tracks despite this being like quite high level stuff Matthew McConaughey opens the doors uh, gets sucked out into space Matt and Damon the- you Matt fuck. Damon I apologise they've got very fucking similar names um, um, yeah, um, yeah Matt, Matt Damon uh, docks but docks poorly uh, and lets blows up half the ship and blows up half the ship um the ship is now spinning rapidly, uh, but Matthew McConaughey, he's salt of the earth. He's fucking Sully Sullenberger on this shit. He's about to match the, the, the centrifugal force of this spinning thing and manually dock while it is spinning through space to both fix the, uh, sort of seal up the hole uh, and also mm. get them back on the ship. Um, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's built different. Uh, anyone who um, has seen this film remembers this sequence. It's a great sequence. It's great. Um, again, all done. Uh, well, not all done, but a lot done through practical effects, uh, which which only helps. And Hans Simmer's score, which has been building up on this fucking motif of this the entire fucking movie, pays off at this moment. Incredible tension. Very good sequence. And of course, they do manage to dock. A couple of things. On the planet, uh, they talked about how, like, they, um, on the way back to wherever, they can send TARS through the black hole, because there's a singular, basically this is, uh, Christ, this is where we continue to get the weird physically bits of the movie. Effectively, at the heart of the black hole is a singularity, and at the singularity, you might be able to get data that would help you, uh, help you 
control gravity, right? Like, that's what they want to do. Magical power, they want to be able to control gravity. They said, if we send Tiles the Robot in, we might be able to do that uh, successfully. Uh, Matthew McConaughey says, cool, what we're going to do is we're going to, we have to get close to Gargantuan, which is the black hole, um, and we're going to basically, we don't have enough fuel, so we're going to slingshot around the black hole. We'll get as close as we can to the event horizon without getting trapped in the event horizon, and then use the force from that to slingshot out the other end. That should get us to uh, the third planet, uh, which is where we need to go. And Hathaway goes, great, fantastic. They're going, they're going, they're zooming towards it, uh, and as they're zooming towards it, uh, Matthew McConaughey goes, hey, Newton's third law. Uh, we've got to leave something behind, and so he ejects himself. His ship detaches, which makes her light enough to be able to escape the event horizon. She flies off to the new world. Matthew McConaughey is getting dragged into the event horizon, where he's beginning yes. to get spaghettified. Well, he doesn't yes. even get spaghettified, but, but sure. Um, he gets stuck there. The ship is tearing apart. He's only seeing light as points, which I think is a very cool thing. Like, yeah. light is no longer in three, di- uh, not three dimensions, but he only sees it uh, in points. He, his machine is saying eject, eject, eject. He ejects, ejects into space. This is where the actual visual stuff in the movie gets like confusing to me. I can't tell if he goes into the singularity of the black hole or if he enters a different wormhole. I think he might just enter a different wormhole. Um, uh, I, I think he goes into the singularity, but I'm not 100%. Sure. Um, One of the two. He enters a singularity point or whatever and enters the Tesseract uh, for, for the visually coolest and weirdest part of the movie. Yeah. Effectively, what the Tesseract is, is a giant... So, like, a Tesseract, the best way to describe it, is uh, as a cube is to a square, a Tesseract is to a cube. It is a fourth-dimensional shape that is constantly folding in and out of itself. Self, it is kind of existing in more than just three dimensions, the fourth dimension being time here, and it is showing uh, Murph's bedroom. It is almost on the opposite end of Murph's bedroom as a kid. And Matthew McConaughey uh, comes to realise that he is the ghost... Uh, he was Murph's ghost uh, yeah. and actually we're missing out the, the, the important piece of dialogue at the beginning of the film he says that uh, when early in the film uh, he kind of says when he's leaving Murph and again in a terrible a terrible thing to tell a child before you leave he goes when you were born when, you, when your brother was born your mum said we're no longer uh, people we're now just our kids ghosts and, yeah. uh, you know we're just making memories for them and then he says then he says the dumbest thing I can't be your ghost anymore Murph I gotta go be a person because he's like, well, I gotta go do something. Yeah. Where he's in the thing, and he's seeing he's seeing himself say this. He's seeing his kid there, and he's trying to like move stuff on the shelves to come, um, like to, not to save himself, but to, so he can be with his kids. He regret he regrets choosing to leave. He wants to be with his child. He wants to save her pain. He wants her to love her, love him. It's very sad. Um, he then tries to do something, so he kind of pushes the book through to do the stay to kind of make it say stay in Morse, um, but it doesn't work. He can't change the past, and he starts hearing Tars. He and Tars have some conversations. Tars is also in the black hole. Who's in the singularity? Wormhole, whatever. Tesseract. Tars is saying, hey, we're in the Tesseract. Uh, Matthew McConaughey say, hey, says, what the hell's a Tesseract? He goes, there are some five... They, the five-dimensional beings who've been talking to us, exist in five dimensions, which means they cannot just travel through space and time, but they can uh, They can also travel... I can't remember what the fifth... The fifth dimension is... The fifth dimension is confusing. It's basically like... Isn't the fifth dimension gravity? Isn't, isn't there, there a big thing like in this film it's treated as gravity the fifth dimension in like from what I could research of like fucking super string theory is basically like a 
plane outside of our own plane and gravity interacts between the two of them yeah. um, so it's like imagine if there were these th- four dimension four dimensional spaces what we occupy a fifth dimension would be outside of that but gravity transcends all of those planes it's kind of weird so the idea yeah. basically being there are these things that have brought us here however they can't interact with the physical world so they would need you matthew mcconaughey to be able to do it so he goes okay what do i need to do he tries to, he does the coordinates for nasa uh, in binary and then he goes, oh, okay, the watch. So the watch is showing. And all the way through this, we're intercutting with uh, uh, Murph, the elder Murph, Jessica Chastain, um, going back to uh, the brother's farm to go kind of find stuff. She thinks that there's going to be somewhere. It's going to be where the anomaly is. And the anomaly was in my room. It's going to be there. She goes back. Beforehand, she starts burning the crop field so her brother's distracted so they can go save her uh, sister-in-law and her nephew. Um, because they have... And again, this film just give me... And we'll talk about it later too many coronavirus survives they've got a bad lung and they need to get yeah. out of this house um, they then she, they're doing that to have a grace of looking after them she's over the house trying to figure out what the fuck they're meant to do uh, as they do that um, she then proceeds to uh, see the watch the watch has a, a specific tick to it it's ticking something in Morse and what he realize, uh, what Matthew McConaughey realize, realizes is that Murph is the one they were picking it wasn't him it was never about him it was that Murph was going to save humanity uh, and he's going to help Murph with that. They then transmit the data about the black hole to Murph's watch in binary, uh, not in binary, in Morse. You can't help but laugh. It's a little no, bit it's, silly. Oh, it's, sure. Um, and uh, so they so then... The, yeah, and, and we discussed the the idea of uh, love, love being the thing here. Um, and I, I want to make it clear uh, that if if you think that they are saying that love is the thing that is actually powering the universe you're dumb what they're saying here is that they needed to pick murph and matthew mcconaughey because murph so deeply loves matthew mcconaughey that she wouldn't have been in this location ready Mm -hmm. to receive that information and able to uh interpret that information if it were not for her strong love for her father that yeah. is why love is the important force there it yeah. is not that love is actually powering or solving anything but that the well, loving bond it, between these two people sure. is what causes the circumstances it's, to allow the survival it, of the human it certainly is solving something but it's not what is what they're not saying is like love is the fifth dimension what they're no. saying is like love is a metaphysical thing right love is a metaphysical force that binds us he goes because they're in the test rack, there are an infinite number of moments in the room. How do they find the right one? And he knows the right one because he goes, "What's going to be the watch?" You know, he knows that he will come back, right? And how does he know that? Well, for no logical reason other than they love each other. Um, and it, it is a powerful moment, and it is it is not saying that love is like it is comparing love to gravity, but in a way that they are not saying love is literally gravity. You know no. what I mean? Like, I think there are some overly like with Inception, there are some people who I maintain overcomplicate this film. Um, by insisting they must understand every single aspect of it, whereas like the movie works on emotional levels, and it Absolutely. also makes sense as long as you don't like. If you want to get super into fucking like quantum physics and super string theory, then sure, the movie's going to start getting massively overcomplicated. If not, gravity is doing most of this stuff, which they talk about a lot of the time. Love is what helps him understand the people in his life and helps bring them together, uh, which is great. Whatever, sure. He does that. They do the code. She finds the code. She's like, "We're going to be saved." I found the thing importantly and i appreciate this it's a piece of writing i like to the two people who saved the human race are both women it's anne hathaway and murph yeah 
But two, with Murph, it's not that her dad gives her the answer, it's that her dad just gives her the ability to find the answer. He yeah. gives her data about from the black hole. He's not like, this is literally the the, the, the equation, you need to fix it. She yeah. separately then goes off, works at, the, works at fixing the equation, and fixes the equation. That's yeah. great. That's It's like a slightly small change, but which makes sure that the female characters have agency and stuff, and their accomplishments aren't just... Oh, a man actually solved it. Really, like it's. A, I like that. I really, really like that. Yeah, no, um, I agree. Um, he and so, so he he passes the fuck out, and then wakes yeah. He up. also before he leaves, <laughs> he says that it's us. The fifth dimensional beings are humans. They are they are a more evolved version of us, and that they are. Oh, that's what yeah, he reckons. We, 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 I I don't think we necessarily need to speak uh, particularly at length about that. Uh, my general understanding mm. slash theory behind that is that they are. Uh, some level of higher AI that oh, using using further we we've already understood from Tars that they are AI that that mm. Tars himself has cognizance of his own um, uh, of his own uh, 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 mental state or whatever um, and also is able to lie and is able to have humor. Uh, both of which are the sort of next levels of AI, and so my understanding is that they are further future versions of this this human race that continues to exist and thrive, and then in the further further future, develop an AI that becomes some level of fifth dimensional being. That's my I, I, general understanding slash theory. Sure, my my understanding of it is just as he says, like um, it's just people, like it's just at some point the human race like transcends physical form. That like it's a Which, bit like some, in my understanding is AI would, sure I, like yeah they I, I wouldn't necessarily like artificial but yeah they, they just become an intelligence right they are they are a, a, a force in and of themselves or you know what what the film actually probably says who the fuck knows it's as as boys to wanton flies are we to the gods they kill us with a spore right like they are it is a thing as incomprehensible to us as we are to ants and therefore we can make a guess, but the you know it's Cthulhu yeah. or whatever. We, we um, never understand it's so important. So yeah, uh, Matthew McConaughey passes the fuck out in the Tesseract and wakes up in in the new planet. Um, the planet. Well, he's going to be given some incredible disrespect. I want to take a second to say this. All right, Matthew fucking McConaughey on the Lazarus mission went out to fucking save humanity, and he gets shown some incredible fucking disrespect in the next couple of minutes, Jamie. And I am not okay with it. First of all, he gets off. The guy's like, don't walk. He's like, fuck you, I'm Matthew McConaughey. I'm not Matt Damon. Matt Damon was a little son of a bitch. I'm great. The guy goes, okay. Matthew McConaughey says, where are we? He goes, uh... Crap, what's his... It's not Spencer. Spud. What's Matthew McConaughey? Cooper. Cooper Station. Oh, oh Cooper Station. Yeah. Cooper. He goes, oh man, nice of you to name a station after me. And they go, not after you, idiot, your daughter. Now look, let's be honest here. He went off to fucking sacrifice his life. If you were to name a station after him... That would be completely reasonable. reasonable. <laughs> be, be fairly reasonable, I think. You know, fuck you, dude. Um, also, there's some cool. I don't know. I like the design of the spaceship here. Uh, it's like basically just the the, um, the inside of Citadel a ring, basically. In, yeah, it's the Citadel Mass Effect, which is very cool. Um, they the doctors say, "Hey, Murph is still alive. You're 127 years old. Murph is still alive, but she's very old. You'll be able to see her shortly. Um, yeah. She has to come across from another um, station." He goes, "Okay." They take him to an old uh, recreation of his house because Murph is clearly so important that, uh, like, Murph is seen as a kind of godlike figure for saving all of humanity. Yeah. Um, all the documentary clips so this is at the basically beginning like of the a movie. museum. Yeah, so all the 
clips we saw at the beginning, many of which were, as I mentioned while you were away, some of which were taken from Ken Burns' The Dust Bowl. Um, I kind of put in here, so we're like, oh, the beginning of the film is, this is like a retelling of Murph's story. Um, we kind of see around the house, as I said to Alyssa, there's not enough dust here. I feel like you'd want to, in this history museum, I'm going to have some more dust, just yep. to be like, it was real dusty. That's kind of weird, but sure, whatever, fine. Tars is there. He rebuilds Tars. Tars is like, I'm awake. I'm a cool little robot friend. We're best buds. Cool. Great. Eventually, Murph shows back up. Murph's now real old. And Jamie? Oh, so fucking old. This is the oldest ever person I've ever seen in a fucking movie. <laughs> Let me tell you what, my friend. Uh, all the way through this movie, I was like, huh, this is really... I, was cr- I cried a little bit when he left. And I cried a little bit in the test rack. But I was like, I honestly thought I was going to cry a lot more. And I'll talk, I'll talk more about this in a second. This is the point where I started to sh- heave uncontrollably for about 15 minutes. And we'll talk about it later. But the, I could your... Murph's all the almost family around. Murph is gonna die here effectively. Like she's been taken out of cryosleep. A bit like Moses. Uh, not Moses. But, but a bit like Moses. She, no, no, she's like Moses in that she'll never reach the promised land herself. Yeah. Um she all surrounded by family, her family all like, who's this dude? And again, put some fucking respect on Matthew McConaughey's name. <laughs> what the fuck is this bullshit? Put some respect on their name. Okay, so they go off to the new world. Fuck you, dudes. Uh and they're gonna kind of talking and she he's like, hey, I was your ghost and she's like I knew you were my ghost I knew it they didn't believe me but I always believed and she oh man I'm not gonna cry now she's like mm. she, uh, she mm. he's like she's like I always knew you're gonna, you're gonna have gonna to get back. through this because I'll be honest I do not remember what they said she's like I always knew you were gonna come back and he goes why and he she goes because my dad promised me oh, oh dear, dear listeners Alexander is is struggling through this um, I'll, I'll take us through to the end. So we get that nice little emotional moment. Um, and we finish off with uh, basically just a shot of Anne Hathaway. She's on um, uh, her... Uh, we're, we're essentially going back in time. Uh, she is on the new planet with uh, the nascent level uh, of society. Uh, and it's showing how she um, both uh, set up this society, but also we get a nice little shot of her being very sad that she's gone through quite a lot. Um, whoa, 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 we also have. He also steals a fucking sh- spaceship. Oh yeah, Matthew McConaughey steals a spaceship. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, I forgot. Yeah, he's basically. Murph says like, bugger uh, off. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm too much of a spaceship man. That was my calling all along. I don't give a shit about the future of society. I'm just gonna go fly. Um, and that's that's Matthew McConaughey. Um, so part. we come to the end of Interstellar. I'll let you do your anagram. Uh oh, I, I haven't actually done one. I was just gonna say this film. It was stellar. Very good. Um, Alexander, we're going to talk about this film. Uh, for people who Can don't I just know. say, I'm impressed by, I'm actually really impressed by this film. <laughs> that film in less than 45 minutes. Because... Yeah, no, we've done pretty well. Yeah. Um, uh, Alexander, uh, we're, we're going to talk about this film. Of course, when we talk about these films, we rate them on uh, four different categories. We have uh, the film itself out of five, Anne Hathaway's performance out of five, the America's Sweetheartometer, how much of America's Sweetheart is Anne Hathaway in this film. Uh, I'm not on my regular computer, so uh, someone please when you're listening to this text me what we rate it so i can put it in our spreadsheet later um uh, and of course then we have Anne's mans uh, the chronological ranking uh, although Anne had oh I, no we never we never meet him alexander can you please for once 
agree with me that we cannot stick someone on Anne's man's list on this one. No, there are two people to put on this list. One, Anne Hathaway's space boyfriend. Two, we never kind see of him. Implied that, that we, uh, hey, we did, she talks a lot about love, right? We didn't see no, Fontaine's house. We didn't see Fontaine's We didn't see. We didn't see Cosette's dad, but I put her on my list. That's not. A factor I'm not putting on. Two, you, two. I can't tell whether or not that Anne Hathaway, Matthew McConaughey, are going to go bang at the end of this film. I think it's kind of implied they will. Um, so the, both of them. Isn't Anne Hathaway like old and dead at the end of this? No, movie? because of time dilation, dumbass. No, because uh, right, she's been time right, dilated I'm, on the planet. I'm not. I'm not, and I hate you. Anyway, we're going to b- discuss this film in those ratings, and we're going to discuss this film in general. Alexander, I would like to say that I am going to make fun and uh, criticise aspects of this movie. I would like yeah, to say up fair. top that none of those are criticisms of your emotional response to this movie, which clearly Jamie, hit you a lot harder than you expected. No, here's the thing. It, did, it definitely did hit me a lot harder than I expected. It's not a perfect film. I've seen it before. I didn't feel the same way as I did this time before. But have at it. Okay, so... Um, my response to this film is the exact same as when I watched it in the cinemas, which is, this is a very good film with a very stupid 15 minutes. I'm sorry, I just cannot vibe with the dumbass fucking bookcase scene. I've seen it twice now. I don't even think it doesn't necessarily make sense, sort of. But it's dumb. It's fucking dumb. And I'm sorry. I know, oh, it's all about fucking love. (laughs) It's dumb. It's really stupid. And I will praise this film for the last 15 minutes somehow sticking the landing after that incredibly stupid 15 minutes. And my, I, I, I can, I, I obviously, uh, I'm supposedly a film critic on this uh, podcast, so I would like to give it uh, a little bit more um, specific criticism than um, uh, than just calling it dumb, which is that this film takes a hard left turn in those 15 minutes. Up until this point, this movie has been like, look how much science we know. Look at all the science. We did a lot of research. Here's the science. Isn't this great? And then it becomes a fucking Marvel movie for 15 minutes. In the, uh, you, can, you can talk to me as much as you want about, oh, this is actually, you know, there's, there's logic behind this and the fifth dimension could theoretically exist. It's fucking gobbledygook. I'm sorry. And this movie really pitches itself as a really well-researched science movie. And of course, there is theoretical stuff. When, when we're going through wormholes, when we're going into, into black holes, that there is a lot of theoretical work there. It, it's stuff that we don't have necessary proof of, but it still is pretty strongly grounded in a decent amount of science that I think is relatively easy to understand. And then the movie takes an absolute fucking left turn. And I don't think it necessarily has to. I think there are, I'm, I'm not a Hollywood writer, um, I, I, I'm not saying that I can necessarily come up with a better pitch, but I think well, a, a very easy pitch, I'm not saying necessarily would be a better movie, is that you just get Matthew McConaughey making the hero sacrifice. You can still have literally everything else that happens, you just don't get the, re, the, the reuniting between, um, uh, between Jessica Chastain and, and Matthew McConaughey. Um, and you it's don't not just because you're at that point, my friend. At that point, is oh, well, yes, yes, maybe, yes. Um, you you can have him make the hero sacrifice, and you can still have Anne Hathaway go away, set up the um, the new colony, and human race survives. So you can still have a happy-ish ending with a sad tinge. 
um that is one possible solution um and there are many others i just think that it is too much of a weird hard left turn the goddamn bookcase scene and i felt like that when i watched it at the cinema and i felt like that when i watched it yesterday um i and i and i'm not even saying that i am the objective truth on that i can completely understand that people can actually say you know what this is just actually a science fiction movie it's it 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 is a science fiction movie my argument would be that the first two hours don't pitch it as that they pitch it as more of a science drama rather than science fiction uh which might sound silly but i think they pitch themselves on on trying to base look how much science we have and and i think it's left turn i will not i will completely accept that some people can just vibe with that scene i just can't I've talked too much. Go ahead, Alexander. Sure. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree. Honestly, my my thing about this film is less the less the science stuff. I think what you're talking about really, the kind of like, hey, a science drama, but then it becomes like more fictiony. Is like, for a lot of the film, it, in terms of like, uh, it, it's kind of a, a thing used often in, uh, when talking about like fantasy or literature or like science fiction too. But like, it starts off very hard science fiction, which is to yeah. say like, here is the world, here is the explanation of all the science things, blah blah blah. And then it moves off in the end of the test rat sequence into soft. Like, it's, hey, this is, we, we don't have an explanation. This is beyond the explanation of our characters, yep. right? Like, no one in the film is able to, they, they give and, a hypothesis, but no one is able to explain it. Even and, if and it's... I think, and I think in a different, I, I, I guess what I want to say is, I think in a different movie, that sequence is fine. Sure. But I, so, so, so back to my point, this time it worked for me for a couple, the first time around it worked enough, but what it is in, like, the, the movie as like a lot of science fiction movies uh, is about uh, faith right yep. like it's it's like does Murph have faith that her dad loves her does and does, does she have faith that that love will, you know despite being literally light years apart from each other still has an impact um, does uh, humanity have faith that they can be saved all that kind of stuff and for a lot of it Matthew McConaughey it's not that he doesn't have well, he kind of d- does not have faith, right? And, like, the kind of classic, like, um, hero's journey thing, you know, he kind of uh, is a very practical guy. He kind of works on practical experience. Um, and it, it, it's not even, it's less even in the first one, but, like, it is more so that um, his uh, daughter... Um, not even his daughter, sorry. It, like, it basically comes up when Anne Hathaway does the boyfriend speech, right? When she's like, hey, love is this force and it, like, why shouldn't we trust love? Why, why, why is love an irrational reason to pick something over gravity or whatever? And he's like, no, we can't take it on faith. We've got to go for the empirical stuff. We've got to go with... Yeah. He says, you're being too rational, irrational. And like, at that point, he is forced to accept faith, right? Like, hey, here's this thing and I have no rational way of understanding it. So as such, I am forced to i i as a person am forced to forced to have faith in stuff and in turn i am then realized that mirth has faith faith in me and that is what will save humanity is faith is not faith in a religious sense but faith in a in a sense of you know your belief in something or a force in something which you cannot physically or tangibly or empirically quantify and that's the so the so sort of at the core of the movie then it's like that, that question right like what is the what is the what is space travel about? What is exploration about? Um, and at its core, to all those things, is the faith that there is a better solution out there. The, the hope, mm. hope and faith. None of that is to say why it works. This whole film works for me this time. Uh, I have not seen my family or any yeah. of my friends, save for Alyssa, in one year and seven months, maybe eight months, coming up to it. That sucks. 
So uh, let me tell you what, a film about someone not seeing their family or their loved ones for a year in seven or eight months, well, more than that, 120 years, but, but for him feels less, uh, is tough. Like, is, is obviously a, like going to be a thing that makes me cry no matter what. Absolutely. For 90% of this movie, I didn't cry. I, I, like, I, like I said, credit, credit <laughs> the sequence where he goes 90% up. 90% of this movie, I didn't cry. I like yeah, that that's yeah. necessarily a negative, that, that actually movies are supposed to just have you fucking oh, bawling yeah, yeah, for yeah, their yeah, full yeah. two-hour, you, 47 run. Oh, of course. I mean, watch Love Story. It makes you cry the entire time. I hate that film. But um, the the thing is for me is like I cried a bit at the when he leaves the first time I cried a bit in the test rack sequence and when or when he kind of saw his daughter not much actually then I at the end it's when he saw her that broke me, that just yeah broke me and it's interesting because all the way through I was like actually maybe this film is colder because people criticize Nolan films a lot for being emotionally cold yeah and I was like sure and then it got to the end and I was like oh it. It was all waiting for this. Like, that was all built up to this. And this broke me hard. Like, it it really broke me. And then after the film stopped, uh, Netflix wouldn't let me listen to the credits. And instead, I had to go from listening to the Hands of Miss score over the credits straight into a trailer for Too Hot to Handle and see a guy's, <laughs> like, crotch, like, really, like, tie up on the screen. And that wasn't okay. So, look... I can't tell you how much I like this film this time around because of the quality of the film. I know that it is an incredibly well-made movie, right? Yeah. All, all aspects of it, even the script, even you know when they don't work at times, are incredibly well done. A tour de force. Do, do I always say it's my favorite film in the world? No. Was it the right film for me yesterday? Or was it a film which uh, incredibly emotionally resonated with me yesterday? Yes. Uh, as it turns out, movies about not seeing people you loved uh, resonate with people who haven't seen with the people who haven't been able to see people they love for a long time yeah um i was discussing with some friends recently um uh, I, we, we both recently got invited to a friend's wedding uh yeah. he, here in the uk uh and and someone someone expressed oh is, is al gonna be over and i went no because al hasn't just been waiting for a good excuse <laughs> it's not like he's been like oh no i'll wait until like you know a big a big social event then i'll come back to the uk yeah, yeah. I, if I, al I, could I, be in the uk he'd be in the fucking uk right now yeah, um so here's uh, my thing i might want to yeah. live in canada if it was up to me if it was up to me i was meant to be back seeing you guys six months in like I was meant yep. to be seeing you guys in June for the original well, you, you were the wedding. You were, yeah, you were supposed to be seeing us for this wedding, which was due yeah. to happen last year. Um, yeah. And, so, um, um, yeah. Well, we'll Skype you in, mate. It'll be fine. Um, completely <laughs> the same experience. I'll get pissed, and then you'll when you guys are ready pissed, we'll Skype, and then it'll be great. Yeah, and and you better get you better get ready to set yourself up with your Kaylee moves from the <laughs> other side of the room. I will have you projected up onto the big screen, and you can be uh, <laughs> you you can be the person teaching the moves. Of course, <laughs> um, but um, I I do want to say I I started out with my biggest complaint about this movie. That is not a fair representation of my of this movie from my perspective. Mm. I think. Even though, of course, this movie resonated with you very specifically, I think um, this movie emotionally does hit very well. It is a um, it is a sciency movie that really actually just wants to be a human exploration of, of emotions movie, and it hits the, that human exploration very well. Um, I think uh, the the I'll come back to the acting. 
Um, I, the the obviously as a technical marvel, it is an incredible movie. It, yeah. Christopher Nolan is a very I'm I'm sorry, lads. I'm I'm a straight white male. I love Christopher Nolan. He's fucking great. Oh, God, he makes God, he God. makes very good fucking movies. Yeah. Um, uh, he does. In fact, the Prestige is probably. I, I keep coming back to it. I, I struggle to say a favorite movie, but it's fucking in that conversation. Um, it, technically, it is an incredible movie. Um, it, it critically is one of his most mixed received. Uh, it only has about 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think that is uh, because I think genuinely an unfair representation of this movie being confusing. This movie is not yeah. confusing. Um, I don't I don't stylistically or thematically hugely vibe with with that yeah. 15 minutes but it's not confusing it's just yeah. not maybe i'm being unfair because i'm a very intelligent man um, but this isn't a fucking confusing movie just the same way inception isn't a fucking confusing movie well, yeah, um stop overthinking it it makes not. sense Be- like it... people are just fucking morons um I, anyway. I honestly think with both those films it is people trying to understand it too hard that makes it less understandable exactly just, just, if you watch it it is fine exactly um on the acting, um, I, I sort of vaguely mentioned this. I think there are two actors in this movie that are in completely different movies to everyone else, and that is Michael Caine and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Matthew McConaughey comes round on it, uh, but in the first hour or so, he is in a completely fucking different movie. The the parents the parents teacher conference scene where he's at the school. I'm sorry, he is just bringing a completely different fucking energy. And I know that he is doing that deliberately. He's Matthew McConaughey. I think, he, I'm not even saying he's a bad actor. He's a, obviously a fucking incredible actor. Uh, but he is basically playing his true detective character for the first like, first, like 45 minutes. And it just doesn't gel. I think you've talked about this with uh, your view of, um, uh, oh, I'm forgetting, uh, Gay Priest in, in fucking Fleabag. Um, what's the actor's gay name? Gay priest? Moriarty. Is he not gay? Oh, I've never seen it. No, Fleabag. not Fleabag. Is he not gay? I've never seen it. Sexy priest. So he's Whatever. gay in real life. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake. I've actually seen him and stuff. Andrew, oh, not, oh. Andrew, Andrew no. Scott. Andrew Scott. Um, you brought this up with your viewing of Andrew Scott in, yeah. uh, in Hamlet, where he is just completely doing with the script completely different things to everyone else. And I feel that same way about yeah. Matthew McConaughey. And then... Michael Caine is just being fucking Michael Caine. And it it's weird. It's weird in NASA to just have Michael fucking Caine. He's a really weird vibe. So I am not saying necessarily... I don't know who's dropped the ball here. Because it's not the actors. They're doing their thing. It's not necessarily the director. I don't know. It's sort of the director. Is it the casting? I don't know. But the first hour or so, I think, works. But there are just two characters who are just plucked out of different fucking projects and plunked in here. And I don't, it, it, it made for weird vibes. I think Matthew McConaughey comes around in it and I think he does a very good performance. I was actually surprised to learn that he doesn't get an Oscar nom for this. I thought he did, but um, mm. uh, I, I think I think just that one scene of him watching the videos alone is, is brilliant. Um, yeah. So this movie outside of just a decision a decision to go a plot decision to go down this weird route for 15 minutes um is technically a a fantastic film that i can completely understand why it resonated so much with you and also should resonate with people just on the general themes it hits but it's a difficult film to discuss objectively and give ratings for 
which we're about to fucking do. Um, oh, Gus, Gus sorry, didn't like sorry it. Sorry for all the way through this, this dog has just been eating on this bone. All right. Just been like... <laughs> oh, just fucking wrecking that bone. Right. I while know, you're, while you're sorting out Gus there. Um, I mean, could you stop talking to the dog while you're five meters away from the mic? It makes for, for quite awful audio. Um, so we are going to rate this movie out of five. Like I say, if someone could please message me these ratings so I could put them on our spreadsheet later. Um, and unfortunately, we've talked about this. I, I use this normally as an opportunity to compare what I've given every other fucking movie and just get an actual ranking because I go down to the uh, the decimals. It's a good movie. It is not my favorite Nolan movie, and it's not even close. But it's definitely not my least favorite Nolan movie, uh, and that's and and all Nolan movies are a high bar. So I can't go lower than a four. I really don't think I can go lower than four. It, it would be absolutely insane on the technical level, the amount of talent that was required to make this movie, uh, both cinemat- cinematographically, production-wise, and music-wise. It would be insane for me to give less than a four. But I struggle to go much higher than a four. I think I want to go about 4.2. It is a good movie. I think it is a movie people should watch. Um, but it misses the mark on a couple of things uh, that that just bring it down. So I'm going to go 4.2. I'm going to give it a 4. I like it a lot. Um, I, but, uh, but, you know, it's great. I think the script is... At, mm, it's not even that the situation is weak at times. It's literally just like, I think there are a couple of bits where I'm just like, okay, like... It, it, basically, I think the script itself is a four. Um, yeah, I think the rest uh, of the stuff is a five. I, so, but I, I think actually, it's I, four. I wanted to reiterate something that I did say in the plot discussion, um, but I think uh, this this uh, film is a victim of its own stakes uh, mm. in that it, um, it presents, as I said, just <laughs> completely unfathomable stakes and unfathomable human experiences that literally no human currently has ever experienced no i I guess maybe maybe there are people who have lived in isolation for 24 years i guess prison i don't know (laughs) but um but like some of the things that they they experience in this movie are not given enough weight because they physically cannot be like it, it would be impossible to act to accurately represent the amount of trauma that most of these characters actually go through um but then that does for me cut away from the stakes that it's giving uh, it's mm-hmm. presenting the incredible weight of the stakes and then not hitting them uh, yeah. because as i say it, it's presented itself with an with an impossible situation there um and hathaway's performance what do you think about Hathaway in this movie I really like this movie. I think she's really yep. good. I'm going to give her a five. I think I think it's a good Anna Hathaway performance. It's nice to see a decent performance out of Anna Hathaway that, other than Song 2, which is... A, Song 1's a fine performance, but it's just a bad movie. And yeah. Rio 2, which is a neither a particularly great performance and, and nor a movie I particularly like. Oh, God. This dog wants out, but I can't <laughs> let her out because she just eat everything. <laughs> She doesn't oh. like Anna Hathaway. I guess that's what we're taking from oh, this. I know, so, I guess so. Yeah. As we know, Gus is a virile sexist. <laughs> um, I agree with you. Do I want to give it a five? Um, I don't think I do. I don't know why I don't. I can't. This is bad. This is bad uh, movie movie review for me. But uh, I don't know why I don't want to give it a perfect five. But I give myself the leeway to give 4.8. So I'm going to give a 4.8. Um, 
the America's Sweetheart Tometer. How much of America's Sweetheart is Anne Hathaway in this movie, Alexander? Um, three, three. I mean, she, she's technically leaving America, you know, in a way. So that's sad. <laughs> Gus, what are you even doing? Okay, there you go. Um, but, uh, so I'm going to go three. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a strong 4.5 uh, as she represents in this movie that obviously uh, in a post-climate change society, the only people left alive are Americans and Michael Caine and the only, uh, the, the smartest people who of course are going to save us are the Americans and not Michael Caine. Uh, and therefore, um, this, uh, this society is very America-centric and I'm going to go for a 4.5. Um, right, you're going to stick some people in your hands man's list. I'm not happy about it, but go All for right, it. this is important. Okay, guys, we've got to start from the bottom, of course. Uh, where does the invisible boyfriend go to? Uh, Anne Hathaway's invisible space boyfriend. Uh, and we've got to be honest, she loves him, and he, the, that love takes her to the correct planet. Had they just done that from the beginning, there would have been no problem. Um, so, uh, as I kind of had this dog talking in the background, being very annoyed with me, uh, Anne Hathaway's invisible space boyfriend comes in at number 14, that is above the mentalist uh, from The Devil Wears Prada, but below the Baron from The Cat Returns. Wait, does that mean invisible boyfriend is making it into our, you know, our, our tier? Because, of course, we're, we're the most shallow people ever, and both of our lists have a distinct separation of attractive people and not attractive people. And the Baron is a sexy-ass fucking cat. Um, I'll give you true, that. that so true. does that mean he is coming? Invisible boyfriend that we never see is coming in the sexy tier? Yeah, apparently he is. Uh, also, invisible boyfriend that we never see is also too above Jack Nasty. Uh, which I'm oh sure my God. I'm furious. I'm so angry. Uh, and finally... My the man crush where... on Jake Gyllenhaal is, is seething right now, Alexander. The question of where Cooper comes in this. And again, it's a lot of implied stuff. I think at the end, that he's, maybe he's just going to go set it up. Maybe they're going to fall in love. Who knows? I mean, they held hands through the Tesseract. Uh, but Cooper from Interstellar, you know, we know that he's a father. Maybe not a good father, but we know that he's a father. So he's coming in at uh, number four. He's the only person wow. to go through a black hole. That's impressive. Fucking hell. Right, I mean, I mean that, he's, that, I mean that, he's a hero. He's by far the, the biggest hero we have seen uh, so far. Uh, so yeah, who's fuck he you, just... Batman. He's one above. He's one above Batman. One above one Batman. Below fuck the it best hell. Crits. Um, I, of course, am not putting anyone in my hands, man. Um... Uh, so we come to the most important question uh, Alexander are you stashing away this movie yes uh, aliens are very far from home uh, they have travelled <laughs> through interstellar space uh, in order to reach earth and maybe uh, us showing them interstellar might make them realise that humanity can fucking go through black holes and they can't that's pretty impressive they will learn to fear um, us I also am going to be of course uh, stashing away this movie however normally when we don't stash away something else we present something else in its stead and i would like you to give me leave to even though i am placing this in my hathaway stash away to also present something else because i think thematically it is very linked uh, and i would like to recommend it sure hit me cool uh this is uh the video game the outer wilds yes. so um interstellar is of course all about uh space exploration and and going out and the human uh ex uh the human adventure out into the uh wider universe uh and i will say nothing more uh because i think you should go in uh completely as blind as possible into the video game the outer worlds it's very cheap it's only about 16 pounds uh or you can get it on sale um or you can get it on game pass for free I think. or you can get it on game pass for free uh, it is the single greatest representation of the wonder of space exploration uh, that I have ever experienced uh, in any medium. Uh, and I would highly, highly recommend it.
Can I? In which case, we're just putting. I'll put in one too. Uh, mine is going to be the movie Arrival. It's like Interstellar, but better. It does pretty much the same themes. It does very similar things. It also plays around with time a little bit. Spoilers, uh, but uh, it it is a more successful version of this movie. I feel. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Uh, thank you very much for joining us on this croaky voice adventure through uh, space. Uh, you can follow us at Jamie P. Loxton, at Al underscore C's underscore stuff, uh, and at Blank Spank Pod on Twitter. Uh, next week, I have no clue what we're going to be reviewing because I'm not on my regular computer where if I type in IMDb, it immediately also fills the go to Anne Hathaway's IMDb. So, Alexander, I will look it up while you can tell our dear listeners what they can do between now and next week, irrelevant of how the football has gone. Here's what you're going to do, all right? Recovering from whatever happened, who gives a crap? You're going to, first of all, get some dogs, all right? Everyone needs a dog. If you don't like dogs, screw you. I guess get a cat, but a cat's just a second-rate dog. Who cares? Next, what you're going to do is you're going to attach a message to your dog slash cat's collar. The message is going to say, download Blank Spank, and then you're going to release it into the wild and have all people give it hugs. When they give it hugs, they'll be like, ooh, what's this branded marketing? That's the way to the future, guys. Way to the future. Also, if you could give us a like and subscribe, that would be great. Uh, if you could just give us a review on on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure if you can review on Spotify. I hope so. Uh, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, it really, really helps. Uh, you know, then go take a day for yourself. Have a bath, guys. Have a bath. Make sure to take your holiday. If you have holiday time and you haven't before the end of the year, it's really important to take some days off. Uh, you don't want to burn out. What, Jamie, is the next movie coming up? Well, Alexander, we have a choice. Um, yeah. We uh, Anne Hathaway appears in a short film in uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt project Hit Record on TV. Uh, so we can choose to watch that, which I'm super not against because I think Hit Record on TV is silly and I would like to talk about it. Uh, or if we choose not to do that, uh, we can race our way through to The Intern from 2015. I will say that if we uh, do not do Hit Record on TV, we are reducing the number of weeks until we have to watch the Alice in Wonderland sequel, which neither of us uh, want to fucking fantastic. do. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm okay watching Hit Record for TV. Jamie, cool. we are coming very quickly towards the end of our Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. I think we... I, I think... We, we are already in 2016, but I think we've st- we've still got about three months left. Uh, I, th- yeah, I think we've got, we've got another, we another have, 12 I think credits we, or so. We, we've talked previously about, I think, what we're going to do next. Uh, I, I, I think we're still on the same page for that. So uh, yep. it's going to be a fun time, guys. It's going to be a fun time. Absolutely, absolutely. So join us next week uh, when we go for a classic Blank Spank episode of reviewing our lovely star in a two-minute appearance in a stupid project, uh, where I'm sure we will give you a lovely update on the aliens. Uh, and I will dive deep on my man crush on Joseph Gordon-Levitt but also my distinct displeasure with most of his creative projects um, so from me Jamie and my co-host Al that's one more ep in the bank I'm impressed my voice can even go that high anymore Murph 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 I love I you Murph stay make me stay Murph make me stay make me stay Murph don't let me go to Canada goodbye I thought you were doing your own impression of your dog with the murf, murf, murf. <laughs> Blank spank. Okay. Hey, Jamie. It's coming home. It's coming home. What are you home. talking about? Past tense, baby. Home. It came home. It came home. Oh, my God. Sorry, I should talk as if uh, my voice is absolutely even more wrecked than it currently is. Oh, it came home. I'm okay. I'm totally physically and mentally okay. <laughs> <laughs>